Legal experts are worried an upcoming round of government spending cuts will pack pressure onto an already strained justice sector. More than 140,000 court appearances have been delayed since the COVID pandemic, with some people waiting two or three years to get to trial. Public sector departments have been asked to propose a way to reduce spending by 6.5% ahead of the 2024 budget, likely in May. The 6.5% reduction is across the justice cluster, which is made up of the Ministry of Justice, the Police, Department of Corrections, Crown Law Office and Serious Fraud Office. A spokesperson for the Finance Minister, Nicola Willis, says agencies have been asked to create the proposed cuts from non-essential functions for Cabinet to decide on ahead of this year's budget. The Ministry of Justice is working to identify savings options across all of its activities, but cannot say more as it is a, quote, budget-sensitive process. But Bridget Toy Cronin, an associate professor from Otago University's Faculty of Law, whose research focuses on improving access to the justice system, warns if any cuts flow on to impact the courts, it could be a constitutional issue. Bridget, good morning. Good morning. Can you describe the pressure currently facing the court system specifically? Yeah, well, from a practical standpoint, um, a lot of people out there will know that there are are big delays in some parts of our justice system, particularly the family court and the criminal courts. Um, There's, as you've mentioned, a long processing time for a lot of those cases, and that can have really major impacts on the people, um, you know, victims, families of victims, families of defendants, defendants, and also in the family justice system the um, children of um, parents who are separating, things like that. So there are very significant impacts on the whole community if you have delays in the justice system. And since COVID, those delays have grown and um, the courts are working very hard to try and get on top of them, but they certainly don't have fat in the system at the moment. So we have seen in some instances literally years delays in in, uh, bringing a case to trial. And whether it's that long or whether it's less long, what, what is the sort of um, principle that that is an insult to? Oh, well, so the, the old maxim is justice delayed is justice denied, and that that has different impacts depending on the type of case you're thinking about. In the, in the criminal system, it can mean that the evidence gets very old, witnesses' memories lapse about things, Um, there's the social problem of having something sitting unresolved in your life. Um, So, you know, if you're waiting to give evidence at a trial for um, a a crime that you've been a witness to, or if you're a defendant on remand waiting, um, you know, there's, of course, the principle of innocent until proven guilty. So there's all these um, different aspects of the justice system which we hold dear for good reason, um, which are held up if we can't get cases through. In the family court, it has different impacts, but no less serious. Of course, people who are trying to resolve um, care of children matters. Those children are growing up very quickly, as we know. Um, kids change very quickly. And you know, every, every day, every month that goes by where those um, situations remain unresolved has a real impact on those families. The government insists that across the board it's looking for so-called backroom savings rather than frontline. What would that mean if it were applied to the courts and to the justice system, the justice cluster as it's known? Um, Well, without the detail, it is pretty hard to to know what's being referred to, what counts as frontline and and backroom in courts is maybe not as clear as in other places because... 
Um, for example, in a registry office, you have people who are doing what might be called backroom work and case processing, but they're also frontline in the sense that they are talking to people at the desk who come in and try and file cases. And they're often the, the first p- point of contact for people trying to understand how to manoeuvre around the justice system, which is, you know, very complicated. So um, it could it could mean those people because they do do backroom work as well. Um, there's also, of course, um, the people within the Ministry of Justice who are doing um, work to improve the operations of the courts, um, which might be things like, for example, there's a, a big project going on um, called uh, Te Aureka, or the, the Sweet Flow, which refers to um, trying to improve the case management system, which underpins the courts. Can, can we pause there? That mm. case management system was for years under scrutiny. People were still walking around with paper files, um, and there was supposed to be at one point a big computer upgrade. I, I think that got delayed mm. or stalled. Uh, Again, we're talking back room here, but this is the, the, the veins and the arteries of the entire system. Where, where's that case management system at, Bridget? Well, so there, I think the one you're referring to is quite a few years back, which kind of stalled and failed. And but what this happened is, afterwards is my point. Well, we're still walking around with paper files. Um, if, if you go into a courtroom, um, you could be um, forgiven for thinking you were back in the 1970s often. You know, there's, there's still trolleys with paper files on them. Um, and the, the, the case management system, which underpins the court, um, administration is is very outdated, and there has been this big push to try and, and modernise it, and that's what this project's about, and it's extremely important. And that project sits in the ministry, right? It does, yeah. So it's a ministry project, although it's, it's a joint. Um, of course, it it's also got lots of input from from the judiciary, but it's part of the ministry's work. So the backroom savings in this instance would be what? Well, this is the problem. I mean, you have to spend to ultimately save and to modernise the courts. And, you know, during um, the pandemic, for example, it it became very apparent if it hadn't been already that being able to operate your court system remotely is extremely important um, because if you can't go in and access the buildings because of whatever um, disaster has befallen, um, you need to have these these systems operating. And that's well understood by the judiciary and by the ministry, and they're working very hard to try and modernise the system, but it requires investment. So... Um, Making cuts to anything like that, of course, would be very short term, um, and it would it would cost in the long term. We've talked about the courts. I've parked for the moment the state of the courthouses, which we've also coupled uh, covered, and as some again as an access to justice issue. There's some instances where people are having to drive hours because their local courtroom can't be used. Um, we heard a description, I think it was in Tauranga, a pretty. Uh, eye-watering description of the state of those facilities. So, again, not sure where the the cuts come from. That's capital spending rather than operational spending, but certainly um, another cost on the system at the moment. So we've talked about the courts, but what else in the justice sector would concern you from um, an access to justice or a constitutional perspective? Well, the constitutional um, point is really important to understand, and it can feel a little, um, I guess, you know, sort of high-minded, but it's very, very central to our democracy, which is that the, the courts 
um, the judiciary is independent from the executive and from the legislature. And um, that's known as the, the separation of powers and that the courts have to be independent so that they can um, enforce and protect individual rights and they also provide a check on government power. So whenever you have a desire to cut back spending in the judiciary and the judicial system, there is a concern that that would um, undermine the independence of the judiciary and its ability to operate and to, to provide that balanced check on power. So it is different in that sense from other parts of the of the government structure because it's not part of the executive. It actually sits independently, although the, the money flows through the Ministry of Justice. That separation is interesting because, of course, we've got the very predictable um, statement uh, from each of the parties involved here. In fact, I haven't actually brought in with me the full statement from the... Uh, oh, yes, I did bring it in with me. Very organised. The Ministry of Justice spokesperson... Working to identify saving options across all of its activities, Ministry will continue to prioritise our resources with a focus on delivering frontline services. As you will appreciate, there's a budget-sensitive process underway and no further comment will be made at this stage. You talked about that separation between um, uh, the, the courts and the judges um, and um, the government, the parliament, and, and, and indeed the government, which of course oversees a ministry. At what point, and could we envisage hearing from the judiciary itself over its concerns? How does it express concern about the state of the court system as it is, let alone were it to come under any more pressure? Um, well, I mean, the, the judiciary is independent, so they can speak out usually via the, the Chief Justice, but... I mean, they have a really good working relationship with the Ministry of Justice. We've actually, since 2019, had something called the, the Court Strategic Partnership Group, which is the um, provides an interface, a forum for engagement between um, the Secretary for Justice and the Chief Justice. And when I talk about this to my colleagues overseas, um, they're like, wow, that's amazing that you have that. That's such a great thing to have. So there is this ability and, and a really strong cooperative relationship at the moment between um, the executive and the and the judiciary, which is a really positive thing. They're separate, but they're working um, in, a, in a cooperative manner. So it would be a great shame if that relationship came yeah. under pressure. And another of the statements from the Finance Minister's Office this time we included in the intro, but there's an important little bit I didn't read at the end. As part of the budget process, agencies will have the ability to set out any risks and trade-offs associated with their proposals. So I guess that's where there's the option to say, well, we're not going to cut here. I'm sure yeah. every agency will have a long list of why not. Yes, but and I'm sure they would they would be doing that. Um, but I guess it's our job um, as academics, and we'll, you know, we're he hearing from the legal profession and things as well to make sure that everyone keeps a very close eye on the fact that this is a very core part of our democracy, and we can't afford to chip away at it in any way. We've seen democracies overseas um, have you know death by a thousand cuts, and and we don't want to go in the same direction. So I would expect our ministry to make a fairly strong statement about making sure that um, nothing that is cut would undermine that well, independence. back very quickly to that case management system, and yes it was years and years ago that the computer system was attempted and then stopped and yes, hmm. people are still walking around with paper files. There's the false economy side of this as well, isn't it? I mean, hmm. lawyers 
aren't cheap. <laughs> uh, and the hours and hours and hours and hours of time that must be being lost and paid for from having an inefficient system. Has anyone tried to quantify it? Uh, no, no, that would probably be something that would fall on my desk and it's extremely difficult to do. But we know that inefficiencies in the justice system cost all around. They cost for the people who, you know, the citizens who are coming in to interact with it in terms of lost wages, childcare, all those sorts of things. And of course, as you say, the, the cost of having lawyers sitting around. So we have got a, a digital strategy which came out from, from um, the judiciary last year. We've got this court management project. We're kind of finally getting back on track um, after that setback many years ago to moving our justice system into a more modern form and it is really important so um, it would be an incredibly false economy if, if anything on that front was to be cut. Thank you Bridget Toy Cronin who is at the University of Targo based on the Faculty of Law 